Hello everybody and welcome to the Fireside Podcast where our mission, and get ready for this, is to create culture, equip the church, and glorify God. I'm Houston. I'm Clayton. I'm Jeremiah. Alright, so I said get ready for this because you'll notice if you're one of our three avid listeners, uh, shout outs to our wives, that we have changed our mission statement. A, uh, a subtle, but we think important and intentional change. So we've changed it from uh, better engaging culture to creating culture. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend these next two episodes talking about why that is and what that means. The morning comes just when it wants. No clock can tell me how it's done. For now the darkness has its fun. But soon we'll see the morning sun. So don't close your eyes. I won't close mine. The dawn will come. If we're running out of time, then we're running into So first of all, what does it mean to create culture? This is easier said than done summarizing this. We've actually spent the last, what, three hours? Two hours. Uh, more like week. Week, yeah. <laughs> last right. week. Actually, and something you'll never hear is that, that we have a failed recording of this episode that we spent a solid two hours on as well that did not come to fruition because we couldn't figure out what we meant by creating culture or maybe more accurately i'm not good at communicating what i meant by creating culture that's probably more accurate yeah that's fair yeah. <laughs> so what we are going to do in this episode is talk about what that means why we make the change and what that means for fireside going forward so the first thing we want to do is we want to talk about what it means to create culture and so we think that it's important first to start off with some clarifications. What does culture mean? This is a very, very big, broad word that means a lot of things to a lot of people, um, depending on which culture you're from. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, no, sorry. Um, means a lot of things to a lot of people. And so the first thing we have to do, we've realized, is we have to clarify what we mean by culture, even for talking to each other. Um, and the first thing that we mean when we say culture is the environment that we live in and the ways we treat each other and the things we do. Does that seem fair, guys? That's fair, yeah. So when we say the culture of the fireside is a very informal, off-the-cuff, shooting from the hip, we're saying that we do things that reflect those values and that's the environment really that we record in right yeah <laughs> oh, gosh, i'm i'm just really confused by that statement <clears throat> we're off the cuff and okay. are you disagreeing with me saying we're off the cuff no, I'm just confused. Like we shoot from the hip kind of thing? Yeah. So like we're not, we don't plan anything. We're just going to do it. 
do you think that's an unfair summarization of <laughs> what we do? I think Jeremiah's trying to give us too much credit. Here. <laughs> I mean, we did plan a little of something. Yeah. Oh, gosh, <laughs> There's, give us a little credit. So for the, you listeners at home, we've got some very lovely drawings on the, the whiteboard by Jeremiah. I made a Venn diagram, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to dampen that sound. <laughs> the, the volume spike right there. Uh, I made a representation of the Earth's core. Yes. Yeah, is that what that is? I don't know. No. It's, okay. <clears throat> so it's a core to something. So drawing back, we're gonna leave all this in. This is gonna be the candid episode. Uh, drawing back, when we say that we've got a, a culture of one thing or another at the fireside, again, we're saying that we do certain things, that we uh, value certain things, that we that we function in an environment that is a certain way. Right. These are obviously very broad statements because this is a broad subject. It's a very broad subject. So broad that it's it's difficult to pin down one definition or one even end all be all. End all be all. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that's because like in Andy Crouch's book, Creating Culture, I mean, he specifically says like culture making culture making. See, I caught you in my words. It's because you've been great in my mind. by Yes. You're welcome. Well, thanks. (laughs) But seriously, in his book, um, Culture Making, he talks about how when we talk about culture, we're not specifically talking about one culture. It's cultures. Mm-hmm. It's plural. Yeah. So, so this is a very, very, very broad thing that we're trying to boil down into something workable and something that we can, you know, work with. <laughs> that's what workable means. <laughs> that's, that's what workable means. Uh, we also have a culture here of saying dumb things so buckle in so when we talk about creating culture what does that mean you know we talked about what we kind of mean culture is what what does creating culture mean clayton just gave me the point it's my cue um because this is you know these are not really my words but i'm the one championing these words Um, when I say creating culture, what I mean is this, when we go into our families, our communities, uh, we get on the street, we, we look at the newspapers, we see that there is a culture around us, right? And we have choices in how we interact with this culture. We have the option to do what everyone else is doing. Or to do something differently, right? That those are the two basic options. So, what we want to do as culture creators, quote unquote, culture creators at the fireside, is we want to introduce into situations cultures that reflect the kingdom. And so, what I mean is this: we know that in any situation, there's already a culture present. So, there's already an environment, and there's already uh, things that people are doing, you know, again, we said that in this room, there's a culture even between the three of us. And so we have an obligation to, to make this culture reflect Christ and to make this culture reflect the kingdom of heaven. Right? So how are we going to do that? Ultimately, we agreed that there are many words that can apply to this. We can transform culture. We can translate culture, make shape, you know, whatever. Yeah, you name it. You name it. But we like the idea of creating. And it's because, you know, in a very romantic idea, 
I like the idea of, of saying that this culture did not reflect the kingdom. And so we've introduced things to the culture so that it will now reflect the kingdom. Because that's, that's our mission as believers, right? To make the world reflect the kingdom. So by creating culture, we are introducing things to a community, to a family, to a friend group that will create a culture glorifying to God. That's what we want to do. And we want to do this by telling stories. Yes. Right. Speci- in the fireside community, that's how that's how we want to do it. Right. Yeah. Which um, is a great a great uh, uh, reminder. What we're going to do with this is we're going to make actually two episodes out of this. In the first episode, we're going to talk about you know why the change, what we mean when we say it, and just some some broad uh, generalizations of of the subject. And then in the second episode, we're going to talk. So how does the fireside do that? How does the fireside community do that? So thank you, Jeremiah. No problem. So we have a passage that that we're going to read from that we think uh, summarizes this idea well. Um, who do you have the your Bible? You can read this in ASV version. Yeah, I, I've got it from the ESV. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So this is First Peter two one through twelve. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. (laughs) (laughs) You just mess up the last No, part. that's what it says. <laughs> I don't understand. I missed it. It was just weird. We're just starting to read that part I again. Will. It's just weird phrasing. I don't know. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Before we go any further, I think what just happened there at the end of that scripture reading is a perfect example of what we want to do here at the fireside and a perfect example of what we mean by culture creating. There's, it's a very traditional thing that at the end of a scripture reading, we say the word of the Lord. 
And the response is, praise be to God. Why do we do that? It's just a, it's a very liturgical practice. It's what, it's traditional, like you were saying. Like, it's, yeah. it's what the early church did. It's, it's saying it, something about what we just read. Right, right. Yes. And then we're bringing people back to to what this is. It's it's the word of the Lord. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not our own words that we're proclaiming. It's the words of, of God. And then, then that requires a response. And a simple but yet profound response is praise be to God. So if we... If we want to, as a congregation or as a family or as a friend group, if we want to value the word of the Lord and we want to value the, the sanctity of it, then these kinds of call and responses at the end of a scripture reading or or the way that we talk about these things are important because what we're, in, what we're doing by our actions is creating a culture of respect for the word. And this plays exactly into what we're trying to do and say about culture creating you know it says in first peter that we are um, a royal priesthood right we have this charge as the church to mediate between the world and the lord right not in the sense that we are coming between god and people but in the sense that you know we who have been given truth need to carry it out right so when we said this earlier but this is this is the realization we have to come to is that the world operates in a way that is different than the kingdom. And so when we say the world, Andy Crouch is a really good definition for this. He said um, that Paul uses the world uh, kind of as an, a name for all people and systems and things in rebellion against God. Right? Mm-hmm. So the world creates a culture and we are face to face with it every day. And so we have to figure out how it is that we change that culture, right? Um, And how it is that we better reflect the kingdom. And Clayton, you were saying something I thought that was really powerful earlier uh, about how even the world has ideas about how to change the world, right? Yeah. Uh, So I I was going to come at this from that aspect, what I'm about to say, is that the world... Uh, specifically Western culture, has put all its chips down on this idea that the individual is is the one that makes change. Uh, it starts with the individual. The individual creates its own values, and therefore it works out from there. Um, th- that's a very uh, modern idea. And what and what do you mean by modern idea? Just real briefly. So just the the outflowings of of the time period modernity, in which things like the philosophical values from like Descartes and others, uh, Descartes, famous. I think, therefore I am. He grounds his understanding of reality within himself, mm-hmm. and that this understanding of the world that it is all from me and there is a world full of other people that are doing the exact same um, leads to some consequences. And now, you know, modernity was 
a while ago, right? You know, the consequences lead into what is now postmodern, that there is something that we're, we're seeing things of modernity that don't match up and we are not being responded to correctly. And so there's another pushback from the world is fighting against itself. And that now post postmodernity postmodern is trying to take things from modernity such as yeah we we can subscribe our own values upon the world from within us so postmodernity is trying to take the good from modernity in which the individual creates its own values but then it's trying to also play with the idea that there's a social aspect and once we've created our own values well, we find in the world other people with the same ideas and the same values, and they get together, and from that point, they are trying to change the world to fit their own values. So what it sounds like you're saying is that uh, kind of in the history of Western thought, we've got two different camps that have emerged. One saying that all of culture stems from the individual, and then another saying that all of culture stems from the tribes or the groups is that like a fair summary summary yeah see this is what i'm trying i'm actually struggling with just in general just trying to see the interplay between those two things um and i haven't got there yet and and probably what i just said is kind of a little ridiculous but um i wouldn't be too far off in general i, I would say that's pretty fair well right because when you when you're creating culture you you have a group of individuals, which you're saying, you know, in a in a modernistic, you know, viewpoint, you have all these different ideologies, all these presuppositions that you're bringing into together as individuals into one group. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of different angles coming into this one specific culture with these people. And now, like, how do you rectify that? Right. Like there's mm -hmm. there's so much there. Well, you know, in Christianity, when we have the other option, right? We have we have a countercultural context that we can bring to that context in order to allow truth to come through, allow people to to recognize like, hey, like maybe this isn't how I'm supposed to be interacting in this world and uh, maybe I need to change my ways, you know, like Yeah, and that's exactly the point in our conversation here that the world says that the way that we determine what is right or what we do, or what we value, either comes from the individual, from society, from uh, social constructs, from nature, you know, wh whatever you want to say. Like, the world says that where we get these ideas comes from something, um, or we make it ourselves. And what we're saying as believers is that the truth is that we have the right cultures, or culture, excuse me, we have the right values and we know the right things to do because they've been given to us from God, right? And so that's our mission as believers is to bring this culture that we know is right into the world and, and introduce it and say, like exactly what you were saying, Jeremiah, it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't feel right. And here's why, because this is how God intended things to be. Right. And so, we believe that the way we do that is from from a specific place 
So uh, Jeremiah's lovely drawing on the on the whiteboard um, is of four concentric circles, right? Is that what you would say that is? I just drew four circles. <laughs> I was just trying to get the point across is that we have a core idea in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well... I don't know what I was trying to say with this, honestly. So we I, have, so we have circles. <laughs> yeah. So Clayton had an idea uh, before we started recording that I think this, all of these things kind of uh, interplay in this idea that we have to focus our attentions somewhere so that we can change, transform, create a culture so that 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 place where we're focusing our energies can pour into the next place. And so basically what I mean is this. Um, do you want to say this? You're talking about families. Well, yeah. So we talked about how the world has the idea that individuals change change the, themselves and change the world. Mm-hmm. or But that doesn't work in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so those individuals get together and they form their own groups and those, they, they change the world. Well, how does the church do it? And I was, I was proposing that the church, um, it, it takes, it takes the best of both worlds. It res- recognizes that it's not simply just the individual, but it's not some collective overarching group either. It's, it's a step in between in which it's what changes the world is is the family unit and that's what i was proposing that's how i think the church the kingdom should move forward and how it changes culture is by focusing on the family yeah and that's that's exactly what we're proposing here is this idea that where we concentrate our efforts uh no the idea that we have the ability to concentrate our efforts on the family or our uh, small environment. And what happens is if we are effective in creating a good culture there, then that will pour out into the the next layer of the concentric circles, right? So if we have the ability to, or if, no. So if we're successful in creating a good culture, a good culture, okay. So then if we're successful in creating a culture that reflects the kingdom in our family, we're more likely to be successful in creating that culture in our church and then in our greater community and then in our country and then in the world, you know, so on and so forth. And so this idea is that we have to, again, concentrate our efforts on the place where we can have the most impact. And so we want to create that culture there. So it pours out into the next layer and then the next layer and so on and so forth. So the family unit just yeah just cut me out so. is is the foundational block of society as a whole. And why do I say that? It's where individuals are formed. Okay? So the two parents are raising their children into a individual. They the children are becoming something more. And this this leads to a process of growth in which those children then become functioning adults who can live in this world. 
with what I think is happening in a lot of the worldly culture is this assault on the family and the I, I, the identity structures within that family unit are under attack. And what what I think and what I, I mean, I'm not alone, but um, it's causing the collapse of of the Western world. The, the Western culture is actually folding in upon itself because it's destroyed its actual foundational blocks that actually hold it up. You know, they, they want to propose that the individual is what holds society up. Well, let's let's look at reality is it's where the individuals formed, which is the family. So how, I mean, how does the church equip us to raise our families? How does the church equip us to, um, be good husbands and good wives, good children? Well, that's that's my question. Like, how how do we do that? Well, it starts with the foundation, which is Christ. I mean, that's what First Peter two was talking about. You know, cornerstone. It all starts on that foundation, and that's what we're building on. So, something I've been really convicted with for uh, the past couple of weeks, we had a a guest preacher um, come to our our little church plant, uh, and he preached about uh, how we need to just start telling more Jesus stories. Uh, you know, whenever he starts a, a small group in his church, um, you know, they'll, they'll be going through a series, doing whatever, they, whatever they're doing, and uh, whenever a new person comes into that group, they immediately stop what they're doing and go back to the Gospels. They go through and, and just retell the stories of Jesus. And I think that's exactly what the church needs to be doing is, you know, consistently telling the stories of Jesus, letting people know where where the foundation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and what what is that story that through through sacrifice something greater has come about and that dying for one another is the greatest love a person could do. And so the church upholds this and teaches the family that loving one another involves laying yourself down and, and sacrificing for that person. And that right there, that idea that we learn this process as we grow up into the church as a young person, which of course I, I wasn't, but the idea is I'm teaching my son this now. That through sacrificing himself, he gets to be a part of Jesus' story and Jesus' kingdom. A people defined as those who sacrifice themselves for others. And what does that do? Okay, so there, here's, the, here's the flowing out part. We've, we're sacrificing for ourselves, for one another. Well... Do is that just our borders? Is that just our concentric circle? No, no, no. our circle is ever expanding. We're actually sacrificing for others outside of our circles and moving out into the world. So, 
our our idea to change the world is one in which we're sacrificing for it. We're sacrificing ourselves for it. Right, because as Dr. Shane J. Woods would say, is that we can't speak into a culture unless we're willing to be sacrificed for that culture. Yeah, like we, we don't actually have anything to say. Right. We can't critique them unless we're willing to die for them. So in a roundabout way, what we're, what we're really saying is that we're not just creating culture, we're creating Jesus culture. If we think, if we think, pull it back to our text, you know, it says we're, we are made into a, uh, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. What do priests do? They make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Our kingdom, our culture is a one in which we, on behalf of others, make sacrifices. And that sacrifice is not some obscure thing. No, it's our own being. It's ourselves. Or at least it should. That's good. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on, Clayton. This idea of at least it should. That's really what we're setting out to do as the church and uh, specifically as the fireside community is to introduce this culture that does reflect Christ and his sacrifice. And so what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up here on this episode. Um, We hope that it's been beneficial and clarifying because I know it has been for us. And then on the next episode, we're going to talk about what does it mean for the fireside community to create culture. And so we're going to have kind of a brainstorming session where we really just establish our identity as the fireside community in light of this conversation about creating culture. And so we hope you'll join us for that. Thanks, everybody. The blind men say it's all pretend But we know how this story ends So don't close your eyes And I won't close mine When the dawn will come If we're running out of time Then we're running into love So don't close your eyes I won't close mine The dawn will